day we will get that right. Uh, Lord, we Baptists are going to learn laugh. <laughs> we'll get it. Maybe, maybe next week. We'll all, in use to everybody, just perfectly clapping together. I don't know. If not now in heaven, we'll perfectly clap our hands together. So, if you have your Bibles, we're going to Matthew chapter 19, and we'll look at a, a very well-known passage today. I think everybody here has heard this passage before. I think everybody here is familiar with it. I think everybody here uh, would say, not only they know it, but they love it. I, I, I'm pretty sure you came here on a good day. If you wanted to hear a good passage that's, that's encouraging, that's uplifting, that, that you walk out here saying, I'm glad I went to church, I think this is a passage for you. You came to church on a good day, or if you're on Facebook Live, you're listening on a good day. We all love these three verses that we're going to look at today, and I love them. And I love them maybe for a different reason than others. I love them because these three verses give me and give us a little glimpse into the heart of Christ. And when we say the heart of Christ, we, we say the heart of God. And I love that today. I want our children to hear this today. I want our parents to hear this today. I want all of our adults here today to hear this. I want you to hear what I've titled this passage, Jesus Loves the Little Children. Man. I think it's a phenomenal passage for us to study today. Three very short verses. Let's stand together and we'll read Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. Jesus Loves the Little Children. And again, I want you to see the heart of Christ here. That's the, that's the main point of what we see. Uh, what kind of God do we serve? And our children need to hear this today. When we teach them about God, what kind of God is He? Our children need to hear this. And He's a God that loves the little children. Amen. Amen. So let's read this passage. Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. Then were there brought unto Him little children, that He should put His hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. Then rebuked the children, rebuked the parents that were bringing them. That rebuke means they, they were finger pointing, giving it to them. But Jesus said, Suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. He said, Josh, there's not a lot there. What are you going to preach out of that? Oh, there's a lot there. We need to see it today. We need to see that Jesus loves the little children. Yes. Right, so let's pray together and we'll look at it. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together as a church. I thank you, God, for your protective hand over us. As the passage in Psalm 121 said this morning, that you're, uh, it's your shade that is over us. That we are at your right hand. Yes. That you are watching over us. And we thank you for that. And God, I pray that you bless our time in your word. I love your word. We as a church love your word. I think we primarily gather to hear and to open up your word. And God, I pray that as we open it up, as we sit it on our laps, as we read it and go word by word, verse by verse, line by line, precept upon precept, that you would be honored by it. I believe this is the way you've intended for us to preach. Amen. And I believe you bless it. So God, I pray that you bless it today. And I pray that every one of us in here would uh, just see a, a glimpse at your heart. That you do love the, the littlest and the least. I love that. You love the littlest and you love the least. You love the little children. Help us today when we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, as, as we teach our kids about God, we usually give them songs to sing. You guys know that because it helps them memorize and helps it to internalize. As we sing, there's something about a song that gets it stuck in our heads and gets it stuck in our hearts. So two of the songs that we teach our kids at a very young age, you guys know this if you have kids, I taught it to all my kids, I'm already singing it to my three-week-old little baby girl. As I sit there and, and I'll hold her in my hands and I'll begin to sing to her, Jesus loves you, this you know, because the Bible tells you so. And I'll sing Jesus loves me too. And then I, I, I've got another one that I sing to her, and I love it. I, I sing, Jesus loves the little children, yeah. all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And I make that personal, just like Jesus loves me, I make it Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves all the little children, Jesus loves this little child. He said, Josh, she has no idea what you're singing to her. Oh, but it's getting in her ears, and it's getting in her mind, and it's getting in her heart. So that when she grows up, she's going to know that she has a God who loves her. Yeah, man. And she needs to hear that, and our kids need to hear that at the very foundational level of their lives. When 
their first learning about God, they need to know, number one, God loves you. Amen. Because they live in a world, and I'm going to change, change uh, channels here on you, change directions. God loves the little children. They need to know that because they live in a world that doesn't love them. Right. You say, what does that mean? Let me give you a few statistics that I looked up this week. There are 500,000 orphans, at least in America today, that have no parents at all. I'm going to go on. There are 40% of all children grow up with only one parent in the household. One parent. Then there are abusive parents. I looked this up last night. One in seven children in America are abused or neglected. That is over 700,000 children a year that are abused. That's sad. I'll give you more. Over 1 million children a year are aborted. 2,362 per day. 98 per hour. One every 96 seconds will be murdered. Yeah. will be ripped apart. And it is unimaginable evil. To the point where Massachusetts passed law this week that up to the day of the birth they can be born. Unimaginable. Adrian Rogers said, and I like this, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, he said, why don't these abortion people pick on somebody their own size? Yeah. And to add on to it, I didn't look up the statistics, but the abuse in public schools are going through the roof. The abuse in the Catholic Church to the point where the Catholic Church has paid over $1 billion in lawsuits because of abuse of children. You look at this and you can say all over the world, in America specifically, is not a safe place for children. You understand that? Man. I just gave you these statistics. And, and you got no parents at all, one parent, abusive parents, abortive parents, abusive schools, and abuse in church. America is not a safe place for kids. The womb in America is not a safe place for kids anymore. The home isn't a safe place for children. Schools aren't a safe place for children. The church is not a safe place in some areas for children. Children are viewed, viewed as, a, as a burden or a, a nuisance. They are unwanted, unwelcomed, and they are unloved. Where is, and here's the question I want to ask today, if this is true, where is the one place in all the world that children are loved? That they're wanted, that they're welcomed, and that they're loved? They are. Where is one place in all the world where children are safe? And the answer to that question is in the arms of the Lord Jesus yes. Christ. And our kids need to hear Jesus loves you. Our kids need to hear that Jesus loves the little children. All the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in His sight. Our kids in here today need to know you may not find love out there, but you'll find love in here. Man. Your God loves you. Man. And that's what we're going to look at today. We need to hear this. In a world like this, we need to hear this. Because Jesus lived in a world much like ours. They wasn't saved then. Under Herod, Herod had every child under two killed. Like it was no big deal. The Romans had a trash heap in their cities for unwanted children where you could just take them and throw them. And people would come along and pick them up and they'd use those children as slaves and prostitutes and gladiators. The Jews, get this, they viewed children especially babies, as the lowest form of society because they could do nothing for nobody. And Jesus comes along, and here's the live nerve of the whole passage. In a society like this, how would Jesus treat children? In a society that abused and neglected children and saw them as a nuisance and a burden and not a blessing, how would Jesus treat little children? That's the line of earth. That's what we need to be looking at today. What is it that Jesus will say about children? Will you stand out as someone who treats children so differently than everybody else? And we'll see that today. I love that. Jesus here wants them to come to him. Jesus welcomes them. Jesus loves them. Get this. Jesus has time for them. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to say this later on, but Jesus was as busy as anybody in the history of the world. 
He constantly was telling them, i got to go. I'm going towards Jerusalem. i got a plan. i got a mission. I've got stuff I've got to do. I can't waste a single second. And I think that's why the psalm looked at the kids and said, all right, clear out. He's got stuff to do. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. i got time to do. I can take a whole day with children. Out of all the business i got going on, I'm going to go to the cross. i got, I, I got time for kids. Amen. And he welcomes them. He wants them. He loves them. And I think it's one of the most heartwarming passages in the entire New Testament. As we get to see the heart of Christ. It's safe, get this, it's safe for children to come to Christ. Which means it's safe for any of us to come to Christ. Yeah. We're all safe in the arms of Christ. What a great lesson for us today. And I think there's a lesson for the church here today too. Because God blesses churches that love children. Amen. The church throughout history has loved children. Why do you think we have vacation Bibles? Some people say, oh, it's not in the Bible. We shouldn't have it. It shows our love for children. All the community children are welcome to come Amen. here for a week during the summer. We feed them and we love them and we show them how Christ loves them. Why do you think the church has nursery? Why do you think the church has a children's church? Why do you think we open up our church and love children? Because we're just modeling our Savior. So let's look at this today. I want us to, to get into this story, three verses, and to see Jesus loves the little children. Number one, I want to show you the concern of the parents. The concern of the parents. As we see that in verse 13, it says, Then were there brought unto him. If you'll notice, at the start of chapter 19, there's a huge crowd around him. And it says in verse 2 of chapter 19, And great multitudes followed him. And he healed them there. Great multitudes means there's a large crowd following after him. Uh, the, the word is mega. I mean, it's a massive crowd that's following Jesus. And in the midst of this huge crowd, parents start to line up and bring their kids to Jesus. And, and it's, it's not just mothers. The, the word there uh, in, in verse 13, and they rebuked them, is a masculine word. So there's a, a, a feminine word there, which means mothers were doing it. And there's a masculine word, which means fathers were doing it. They even asked an entire family unit that they had their children in their arms. And they're lining up, lining up one on top of the other. And they're trying to get their children to Jesus. They're in the process of bringing. And, this, and, and the children, it says little children. This isn't children, it's little children. Uh, it, it, it's uh, nursing children. It's, the commentaries call them sucklings. So this could be anywhere from zero, which would be, I guess my little girl would be zero, to two years old. Because they nursed for a long time, they may, maybe even up to four years old. So you're talking, I want to say zero to two years old. These are children that would be in the arms of their parents. Four years old, they start to get to the point where they can't be in the arms anymore. But Jesus is going to take these children up in his arms and hold them. So these are children that are zero to two. The smallest of society. I think it's as young as you can get. Because as you got older, you become more valuable to society. At zero years old, I'll say this later, there's nothing a zero year old or three week year old can do. All they can do is cry and make a mess of their diapers. That's, that's, that's what their benefit to society. Do you understand that? That's all they can do. If they wasn't cute and cuddly, nobody would want to have anything to do with the child. I mean, that, that would be a burden. You sit there just looking at them saying, oh, you're so cute. And then they cry and they mess it up. That's the only thing, the benefit they had in society. So as you got older, you started to benefit the society a little bit more. And, and maybe as a five-year-old, you can do some stuff. i got a 10-year-old, he can carry some stuff. i got a 13-year-old, he can mow some stuff. And as they get older, they can add to society. So the lowest realm of society was a, a three-week-year-old. In your hands, can't do nothing on its own. I mean, I've got Hallie. She brings nothing to the dinner table. She puts nothing in her bank account. She gives nothing and receives everything. You have to watch her nonstop. I thank God for this passage exactly where I needed it. I understand exactly what a little child is like. You forget that after a while. Contributes nothing. Gets everything. Gets all your attention. 
I mean, I don't know how to do it then, but you, all your attention, all your time, all your money, everything is poured into this one little child who can give you nothing. They saw these children as a, as a burden. But the parents, what's this? Jesus had a reputation where people could bring their children to. Amen. I like that. They felt comfortable. He was open. He was welcoming. It seemed like to me that Jesus loved children and children loved him. If when they gave him a child and he held it, if it cried and didn't want to have anything to do with him, they would bring in the children to him. But he loved it and they loved it. And so they were bringing, they were walking to them. They were, they were fighting the crowd to get their little bitty children to Jesus. Okay? Why? Watch this. And they were brought unto him little children. See, you say, there's not nothing in this passage. There's a lot. So they brought unto him little children. That he, here's the reason. Here's the purpose. So that he could what? Put his hands on them and pray a blessing on them. They wanted to bring their children to Jesus and put them in his arms so that he could put his hands on them or around them and pray a blessing on them. This was common for Jewish people. They would bring them to the priests or the elders and they would bring their children to them and they'd pray over them this prayer. Make them strong in the law Faithful in marriage and abundant in good works. That was, a, that was a common prayer of the day. It was a normal Jewish custom. So they're bringing, and I say that to say this, they're not bringing their children to Jesus and saying, heal them. They're not sick. They're not bringing their children to Jesus and saying, make them a professional athlete. They're not bringing their children to Jesus and saying, make them successful in business. They're not bringing them to Jesus and saying uh, the, the things that we often pray for our children. They're bringing their children to Jesus, placing them in his arms so that he can pray something salvifically over them. They have a spiritual concern for their children. So much so that they were willing to do anything in their power to get their children into the arms of Jesus. They were willing to fight crowds. They're a lot like us today. Why do we bring our children to church? Because we're willing to do anything and everything so that our children can learn about Jesus. Amen. Why in the world do we get up on Sunday morning and we fight the kids and we do everything in our power to get them here on time? We want them to hear about Jesus. Amen. That's their concern. Above all else, the salvation of their children. Their concern was so great. I think that's the heart of every parent. Amen. This is natural. There's no greater concern in our lives than the eternal destiny of our children. Amen. You, you ask me sometimes, you say, what's your number one prayer? I have a lot to pray about. I'll tell people sometimes, I, they'll say, you pray for me? I'll say, I pray for you on Tuesday. <laughs> Why Tuesday? That's when I'm free. I got other people pray for on Monday. I got some people pray for on Wednesday. I told somebody that just the other day, I said, I'll pray for you every Friday. Okay. I have so much to pray for. And I, I schedule it during the week. I can give you my schedule. I know who I'm praying for every single day. And I, I'll go in a special prayer request, and I'll pray for those every day. But seven days a week, sometimes, multiple times a day, I pray for the salvation of my children. Yeah. Number one, first, foremost, and above everything else, I want my children to get to Jesus. That's what I want. That's my number one desire. I think that's a desire of every parent. That's why we pray. That's why we work. That's why we bring them to church. That's why we go through all the trouble that we go through. It's so hard. I get it. You get five kids to church. It's so hard. Why do you do it? To teach them about Jesus. Yeah, amen. Amen. We guard them. We protect them. We are extremely careful about who influences them and who they're around. Amen. We live it out in front. We share it with them. Why do we do that? Because the dominant concern of a parent's life is the eternal life of their children. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the number one concern of a parent. It's the number one concern of a grandparent. You ask a grandparent, what do you want for your, your grandchildren? The first thing they will say is, oh, I pray that they'll be in heaven. Yeah. Amen. That's what I want. I want them walking in the truth. I want them living for Christ. I want them to be strong in the law, faithful in marriage, and abundant in good works. 
We want our kids in heaven. And if we don't bring them to Jesus, how will they get there? How would a child who's zero to two years old get to Jesus if a parent didn't pick it up and carry it and bring it to Jesus? How will our children get to Jesus if we don't bring them? How will they know about Jesus if we don't tell them? I'll tell you this, the world won't, won't give it to them. Schools won't give it to them. YouTube won't give it to them. Fortnite won't give it to them. You know who needs to give it to them? The parents need to give it to them. Yeah. It's the parents' job to bring their children to Jesus. It's the parents' job to tell them about Jesus. It's the parents' job to show them about Jesus. You want to see Jesus? You want to see the reality of living the Christian life? We need to show in us. Don't just say it and live a different way. You say it and you live it in front of them so that they say, I want what my parents have in Jesus. Yeah, if you leave it up to the world, I think there's a ton of war going on right now in America for the spiritual lives of our children. And if we don't pull, they will pull our children into hell. That's right. They will. I tell you, if we don't, if we pull, they're still pulling. Every single day, I'm pulling for my kids, and I'm pulling for your kids. And I'm pulling for the kids in this church and in this community. Uh, please, God, don't let them get pulled by society and by the culture and by all the ideologies that are being taught out of the world. Amen. Pull them back. They don't get to decide in, in our house. We decide for them. You think those one and two-year-olds or zero to two-year-olds say, I don't want to go to Jesus. Well, if you, you want to decide, it's up to you. Parents said, come on, we're going to Jesus. Yeah. I'm made up my mind. We're taking our kids to Jesus. Puritans used to say that the greatest good we can do is to take our kids to Christ. You want to change society? Start with your children. Yeah. And one more, I'll say this. If you say, I'm not a parent, I think our number one concern as Christians should be for all of our loved ones. Not just our children. We ought to bring all of our loved ones to meet Jesus. Amen. If, you have, if you have unbelieving parents, you ought to say, come with me and let me show you a man who is so welcoming and so loving to me. Let me show you the greatest man I ever knew. Yeah. you got unbelieving siblings, you have to do the same thing. you got unbelieving co-workers. I'll say this in, a, in an era right now when we can't do a whole lot of evangelism, in an era right now where your pastor can't go knocking on doors because the health department might show up and say you're spreading from COVID. When you can't go out in the streets and start preaching like, like as you get wise like we used to do. When you can't do that sort of thing, the greatest evangelistic effort in the world that we can do today is when we go one-on-one -on -one with our children, with our parents, with our friends, with our siblings, with our little group that we're allowed to be around. When you look at them and say, come with me and let me show you Jesus. Amen. That should be the heart of all of our Lives, the desire, the concern. Because if we don't, they won't. So let, that should be our, all of our hearts, all of our desire, all of our concern. So that's point number one. That's half of verse 13. You guys didn't think we'd get much out of that, but we did. Point number two, I want to show you the correction of Christ. As the disciples protest, you see that at the end of verse 13? And the disciples rebuke them. This is a very strong word, very intense. The disciples saw the crowd coming, the parents coming, the mothers and the fathers holding the little babies, and the disciples said, get away. I, I don't want to speak up to the point where I'm screaming, but that's what they would have done. Get out of here. Get away. He's got more important things to do. Leave him alone. Do not waste Jesus' time. I mean, this is a, he, they let him have it. Can you imagine the, the parents? I mean, how sweet that is. They're just lining up, bringing their kids, and I'm doing this because that's what they're doing. Maybe a two-year-old, you won't like this. You get a four-year-old, and you're holding them by the arm, kind of driving them around. You go from this to this to this. <laughs> I'm an experienced parent. <laughs> and they get like a teenager, about 13 years old, you grab them by the ear. <laughs> I did that to Christian the other day. He said, Joshua abused. I was playing. We were wrestling. And he had me by the leg, and he's stronger than I thought he was. He's about to bring me down. I'm getting old. <laughs> I didn't let him know that, but I said that I, I'm, you can bring me down, man. 
And I thought I was about to go down timber, you know, timber, and I did grab it, you know. And down he went, you know, and five no, like that. But this is a parent kid, that's how you do it. <laughs> so you go from this to this to this to this. So they're coming and they're bringing their kids to Jesus like this or like this. They don't have any like this. They ain't got any like this. So they walk themselves. They're like this. And the disciples look at them and say, get out of here. Leave our Savior alone. Get away. I mean, this is a, a, a tough to hear. Show you the heart of the disciples. They thought like the Jews thought that these zero to two-year-olds offered nothing to nobody. I mean, what did they do? The, to them, it was a, a waste of time. They were interrupting them. I mean, they were sitting there talking to Jesus about marriage and about divorce and about singleness. They're sitting there saying, he's teaching us. We've got all his attention. And he's teaching us, just us, all the parents and children. You guys are, 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 are bothering us. We want time with Jesus on our own. You guys can do nothing for us. You can't tithe. You can't give. You can't serve. You can't build. You guys can do nothing. Leave. Leave him alone. You burden. What good is a child going to do? They're useless and unimportant to the disciples. They don't have the heart of Jesus yet. Amen. And any church that has that kind of heart isn't a true church. Amen. As if children are a nuisance, I have people say, oh, I'm going to bring my kids, but I'm afraid they're going to cry. Let them cry. Yeah. Amen. I'd rather see a child cry. This will give me so much trouble. And somebody sleep. I love hearing children talk. I listen to some preachers online. I listen to them all the time while I'm running. I listen to preaching. And while they're preaching, you can even hear, wah, wah. While they're preaching. We love to hear children in the church. We love to hear the cries. We love to hear, I can hear laughter right now. I love it. They're welcome in a church. They're wanted in a church. They're loved in a church. The disciples said, get them out. Children don't belong here. Oh, you don't want that kind of church. That's right. So what did Jesus do? Here's his correction. I, I can turn you to Mark 10, the same scene. The same little three verses is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Do you think Jesus wants us to get the point? And in Mark 10, it says that Jesus heard them doing this and was much displeased. And I quote that. It means that it's the only time you see Jesus there. It means he's hot. It means he's got this holy, righteous, red-faced anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. This is Jesus being angry over the right reasons in the right way. We can get angry if it's for the right reasons and in the right way. And Jesus here is angry for the right reasons and in the right way. He's not angry at the disciples or at the parents. He's angry at the disciples. And he looks at them and he says, I love this. Suffer little children. That's present tense. I would underline that. Suffer little children means let these children come. These that are here right now in front of me, let them come. Allow them to come. Leave them alone. This line of kids, I want them to come to me. So suffer them. Let them. Allow them. Permit them to come to me. And then he goes and he says, forbid them not. That's future tense. You say, what does that mean? Why are you giving us tense? We're not in English grammar class. This shows, let these children come to me, and don't you ever stop a child from coming to me. Amen. Not just now, and these kids, but as long as you're with me, I don't want you ever stopping a child from coming to me. If a child comes running up to me, I don't care when it is and where it is, you let that child come. He looks at them and he says, you disciples do not have the, the place, it's not your place, to tell anybody if they can come to me or if they can't. Don't you dare ever forbid a child from coming to me. That's strong. And he says, what's this? Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. And then he tells why. I'm going to give you two reasons why 
For of such is the kingdom of heaven. There's two reasons there. Number one, and I'm going to write these things down. Number one, I'm going to say, say this because I, I believe it and I believe the Bible teaches it and I've got Bible to back me up and I've got history to back me up and I've got theologians to back me up and I, I'm going to say it and I believe it 110%. All children who die have a place in heaven. Yeah. I believe it. You say, Josh, where is that at in here? He says there. Watch this. For of such, and, and, and in the Greek would say, the kingdom belongs to such as these. For of such, this type, this group, this category, this little bitty baby, these little two-year-olds, even up to, we'll talk about an age just in a second, four-year-old, six-year-old. He says, this top has a place in the kingdom. Amen. Which means, I'll write this down. Heaven will be full. So I take that word kingdom and I just want to substitute. It's this kingdom of heaven, does it not? So I'm going to say, heaven will be full of children. This top will be Children will be in heaven. Amen. Children, the weakest, the lowest, the most helpless, have a place in the kingdom of heaven. This would include, and I want to say this as a sidebar, because Presbyterians will use this, and Catholics will use this and say, this is why we uh, baptize infants. Because only the baptized infants get to go to heaven. No. But would you notice with me in this passage that there, I just told Brandon this before I stood up here. There's not one single drop of water in the past. Yeah, that's right. Amen. This top without qualification. He didn't say this top who are baptized, this top who are circumcised. I don't know if you guys don't care about this, but this is a theological debate, and they're talking an ounce of water in this passage. This this top, these children of such, not the ones that are baptized, the sprinkled on, not, not the ones who are circumcised, not one of the ones who are have family members that are believers. Not the ones who go through a rite or a ritual, but this top has a place in heaven. So let me apply this. This would include all children who die in the womb. Go to have a place in heaven. Amen. Amen. This would include all those children outside of the womb. Amen. They go to heaven. Amen. This would include all those who die up to the age, and we use the word up to the age of accountability. I like the word the age of responsibility. Amen. Will they know and understand why they would go to hell? And little children would have no idea. Little babies would have no idea. There are theologians out there who say that when babies die, they go to hell. I say away with your God. Yeah. Man. Nonsense. I believe wholeheartedly, 110%, that there is a special divine care that God has for little children. Amen. I believe that it's purely a grace. You say, little child can't do nothing for God. How can they get into heaven? Oh, I'm getting ready to tell you. It's a picture of how we get into heaven, too. Yeah. You say, they can't do nothing. What can we do? Amen. I believe, and I want us to say, I want, I want us to believe, too. There's a special love that God has for little children. Amen. And I'll give you an example. You say, Josh, you haven't, you haven't sealed it for me just yet. When David's little son died, he prayed and prayed but prior to the, to the child dying. He prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and wept. And then when he was told his child died, he got up and washed himself, cleared, cleared out his eyes. And they said, wow, what happened to you? He's not sealed yet. Amen. And that should be a great comfort to any parent who's ever lost a child. But there is a special love that God has for little children. I believe, and you may get mad at me for this, but every single aborted child in America goes directly to heaven to Jesus Christ. Amen. They're not safe here. Oh, they're safe in the arms. Yeah, right. Amen. 
And then he adds, and I'm going to read it to you. Because he doesn't add it in this passage. I think that's interesting. I, I think this is the primary point of this passage. Is he wants us to know that, that he has a special love for children. And that there's a special place in heaven for children. But in Mark, in the same, you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll turn there for you. In Mark chapter 10, he, he's going to, in the same scene, I'll read it to you. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. There's that word. And he said unto them, Suffer little children to come unto me. Forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. And then in verse 15 he says, And verily I say unto you. So he changes the, the subject here. I, I think he's saying, These children have a place in the kingdom. And then I'm going to say this on the other end. That if you don't become like a child, you don't get in. He says that. This is a, a, a huge point. Verily I say unto you, which is very important. You need to get this. Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom as a little child, he won't enter into heaven. So not only, I, and this is my two points that I want to get across to you today in this, in this one section. Not only is it little children that have a place in heaven, but it's only those who have childlike faith who get into heaven. Can I say that again? That's our two main points for today. Not only is there a place in heaven for little children, but we must have childlike faith if we're going to get to heaven. Amen. You say, what does that mean, to have childlike faith? I like that. Some people say it's humility. You've got to be humble like children. I've, I've had five, and I've yet to have a humble child. I mean, they, think they, they think they're the center of the world. And it's all about them. So I don't think it's humility. I think it's dependence. If we're ever going to enter into the kingdom, if we're going to get into heaven, we must become like children, not humble, not silly. We must become dependent like children. Let me, let me give you this. A child is, I mean, I'll ask you this, what can a baby do? I already told you that, nothing. They can cry, and they can make a mess of their life. That's what they do. They can't do anything on their own. I get that. We, we take Callie and we lay her in the bed. She can't do anything. Our other kids look at her and say, this isn't any fun at all. Whoa, she can't do anything. She does nothing. She just lays there. She sleeps. She eats. And she messes her diaper. I, I have to be more careful about my wording there. That's what she, you mean. You, this isn't fun. She can't do nothing. She can't work. She can't provide. She brings nothing to the table at dinner time. She doesn't bring anything to our bank account. Babies contribute nothing, and they receive everything. Amen. Oh, you guys aren't with me just yet, but you're about to. Yeah. I'm going to say this. There's no Armenian babies. There's the, the, they bring nothing to the table. I know some of you won't get that, but it, it, that's a pretty good point. Yeah. They bring nothing to the table, and they get everything. Man. That's how we get into heaven. We bring nothing to the table, and Jesus gives us everything. Man. I love that. That's what this is. It's 100% pure grace. We are 100% like a child dependent on Christ. Man. I bring nothing to the table. I have no works, no achievements. And get this, I love it. I laughed at myself last night when I wrote it. All we bring to the table is filthy rags. Yeah. yeah. So what can a child do? Cry and make a mess. What can we do before God? Cry and make a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I bring nothing to the table, and I get everything. Amen. That's one hundred percent dependence upon the Lord Jesus. Christ. Yes. That's what it means to be like a child we get into heaven. Man, totally. And Jonathan Edwards, one of my favorite theologians, said this, you contribute nothing to your salvation but the sin that made it necessary. Yeah. So in salvation, like babies, like babies, we contribute nothing and we receive everything. And get this, we aren't even cute and cuddly. <laughs> we make a mess. We do nothing. And Jesus doesn't look down at us and say, oh, look how cute Josh is. <laughs> no, what a mess. You say, why in the world does he say this thing? Why in the world does he have anything to do with us if we bring nothing to the table? It's pure, 100% grace. He loves us. 
plus children and those like children who get into heaven. That's pretty good. And it's the total opposite, and I don't have time to get into it. You know it's pretty good preaching language with the cloth there. That's the first time I look at the cloth. But watch this. Just the very next passage. You, you wonder, why did they put that in there? And I, I thought about it all week. Why these three verses? I know he wants us to know that he, he loves children, but why did he put that there? And I know I thought, well, maybe it's because he just started talking about marriage and divorce and singleness. That children was just the next topic that, that the church needed to cover when you preach through the Bible. But then, then, then I read on after that, which I had to read in context, and look at the very next passage is. And behold, and I, 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 want to, I want to get this. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing should I bring to the table if I want to get eternal life? And I know I'll change it. But that's what it is. What good thing, you see that? What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto me, Why cause I mean, good? There's none good but one, and that is God. But now we'll enter the, into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, What's this? He doesn't act like a child at all, does he? What's this? A child would have said, Wow, now this is the Holy God. That's all he has. Wow, I'm a child, I can't do anything. And this guy says, Look what I can do. Look what I bring to the table. He's not a child. What's what he says? Jesus said, You're going to have to. Which, he said, In which? Jesus said, Thou shalt not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and thou shalt love your neighbors as thyself. And the young man said unto him, I've done all those things since I was little. See that? Verse 20. And Jesus rejects them. Jesus says, go there. Do you see the, the contrast? A child that can bring nothing to the table, and Jesus says, let him come. A man who says he brings everything to the table, and is totally reliant on his good works and his morality. And Jesus says, get out of here. Do you see the difference? This is a strong, strong review of a religion by works and achievement or trying to earn it yourself. Yeah. If we're ever going to get to heaven, we must become like a little child, 100% dependent on Christ. Amen. Amen. Again, what can a baby do? Cry and make a mess. You know what we can do before God? Cry and make a mess. Yeah. And because he loves us, he saves us. Yes. That's remarkable. Point number three, and I'll close. I want to show you, you've seen the concern of the parents, the correction of Christ. And I want to show you number three, the care of the children. Because now in verse 15, he picks them up. Mark 10, 16 says he took them up in his arms and he enfolds them. I just, I just can't help but imagine that he picks them up and, and it's enfolding them, which means like this. I don't make that stuff up. He actually picked them up and wrapped his big, strong carpenter arms around them. Man. Yeah. I, I, I just picture these things. Because I told a baby a lot right now. Instead of looking at him, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Head needs to be out up here and I'm walking around because they're here. You know? But Jesus knew exactly how to hold them because he created them. Yeah. And now they're in his arms. And he held them. And he looked down at them. I, I just pictured it in my mind. I walked around a Christmas tree farm yesterday with a little pallet strapped around me. I've never worn one of those things before. I'm kind of worried it wouldn't be an Amazon. It's a new fashion thing for me. And I would sit there and hold her. I didn't have to hold her. But I would just. I would hold her next to my chest, and every now and then I wanted to make sure she was okay, and I would just lean down and look at her little face, and I would bring her back. And as I was doing that, I thought, I wonder how Jesus held the little children. Yeah, I know. How he just looked down at that little face, and they'd look up at him, and they were looking into the face of the Creator. Yeah. There's an old Puritan saying, this is like a flower in the garden looks up to the sun. A child, an infant, looks up to the eternal life. That's a God. It's good. Sometimes I wonder why my little children, my little baby now, is smiling about what she's looking at. 
And I said, there are bounds, sir. You know, I'm not, I'll do all the, all the things I'm supposed to do. I'll, I'll hold her up and, and do the boot faucet thing. And Steph's look at me and I'm like, no, I, don't get, I can't get her spot from her. And I hand her to Steph, and it's like, calm, safe, peace. And she looks up at her mother and like, wow, I don't have that. I think Jesus had that. And Jesus shows he loves the little children. And I think, and I, know, I, I read into these stories, and I, I like to get into them. Donnie said this morning, you've got you to taste it and smell it. You've you're, 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 you got to feel it. You've got to be there. It helps you learn these things. I, I, I put myself in this. And I think, okay, after he handed this child off and they went off and whatever they did, do you think a child ever looked at their parents and said, Mom, Dad, did I, did I ever need the Savior? Did I ever meet Jesus the Nazarene that everybody talks about the time of the cross and was buried and rose again? Did it all pass in the cross? And the parent looks and says, Yeah, there was a day that we found him. We got in line. We did everything we could to get you to his arms. And we was next in line and we were waiting. And our turn to come and we took you in our arms and we laid you in his arms. And he put his hands on you and he prayed a blessing over you that you wouldn't believe. And that little child looks and says, I did do that. Did I do something special? And no. No. It's just because Jesus loved the little children. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in his sight. Amen. And this little child knew from that point on. Jesus loved him. That's outstanding. You need to know that today, too. Jesus loves you. Yes. I said it Wednesday night. He's not against you. He is for you. And to be honest, we say that he was so high and he was so low to even talk to a child and, and, and silly baby talk. But isn't that how he has to be with every single one of us? And he had to condescend down to all of us and to love us like he loved him. The lowliest and the littlest Jesus loves. What a phenomenal passage. Amen. Now let me give you something to take home with you. Parents, if you're here today, let me say this, if Jesus were here today, would you not be waiting in line to get your child to move on? Goodness gracious, you better believe we would. If he was standing here today and the invitation started and here was Jesus in person, I know we'd probably all be bowing down in worship, but would we not do everything that we could do that nothing in this world would keep us from getting our children into the arms of Jesus? No matter what age they were. I mean, I've got a, I've got a 14 year old and a 13 year old. I'd be grabbing them by the arms and say, let's go! You're getting to Jesus. I know he can't hold you, but he can put his hands on you. He can bless you. His palace can, can shine down upon you. He can give you peace. And he can give you eternal life. And you can know what I know. Get to Jesus. Come on, all five kids. Let's go to Jesus. Wouldn't you do that? You said, we can't do that. Oh, but we can. We can pray for our kids. They don't even have to be here with you today. You can pray for them. You can bow your head right now as we're getting ready to, to close so we can say, Jesus, please save my child. Please bless my child. Please let my child be in heaven with me someday. Please let him be strong in the law, faithful in marriage, and abundant in good works. We can all right now pray for our little children. And they don't have to be little. They can be grown up. My mom's told me I'm almost 40 years old and it still about kills me. <laughs> but my mom told me she said, you'll always be my little boy. Yeah. And Gracie Bell, she'll always be my little girl no matter yeah. how old she is. I don't care how old they all are, you still be little children. You need to come and bring them to the throne of God and pray. Yeah. Let's take that time today and pray for our children.
do it every day. Do it, do it every Sunday. I think the best place to raise your child is if you. Amen. Third John 4 says, There's no greater joy than hear that my children walk in the truth. That's what we want. That's what we pray for. And if you're a child here today, and I want to do this. If you're a child in this room today, I want you to know that you're loved. Jesus loves you. And if you understand that you're a sinner, and if you understand that you deserve to be punished because the wages of sin is death, if you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, if you understand that he went to a cross and died for your sin, was buried and was risen again on the third day, if you know that there's nothing you can bring to the table, that your hope, your hope is in him completely, then I believe that today you're ready to be saved. And that you need to come to Jesus. And that he wants you to, that he welcomes you, and that he loves you, and that he will save you if you come to him. That's for any child in this room. That leaves nobody else. And if you're here today and you're an adult, you need to become our child. You stop with the intellectual stuff, and stop with the thinking, stop with figuring it out, and just say, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need to come to Jesus. Yeah. And he'll save you today. You here today, adult, he wants you, he welcomes you, and he will save you. Yes. Let me say that again, I'll close. Whoever it is in this room today, from the from the least that understands, from the least that understands, to the greatest that understands, Jesus welcomes you, Jesus wants you, and Jesus will save you. Yes. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have Sky play a song. We've done this in a while. And for anybody who wants to, you can come today and be saved. Yes. Or if anybody wants to, you can come today and you can pray for your children. You can do it here. You can do it in your pews. But I think that's the greatest way we can show our love for children is by inviting them to Jesus and taking them to Jesus and praying. So let's pray again. We'll have, we'll have an invitation. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us today. Such a beautiful and wonderful passage, but even even greater truths that we, we've learned today. I believe we all know this already, and we just confirmed it. But I want to pray right now for the children in this room. We want to be a welcoming church for children. Uh, I know that people say that you have such great children's ministries in your church. You take such great care of your children at church. And it's a safe place for children at church. It's a welcoming to, to children at church. But I'm glad for that. But here during this invitation time, I want us to, the children to know that today, right now, if they know that they're a sinner and Jesus is a Savior, and they put their faith in Him, they can be saved. So God, may today they understand that and be saved. May adults in here become like children. Not try to figure it all out, but just say, you know what? I am dependent on Christ for my salvation. There's nothing I can do, nothing I can bring, but simply to His cross I'll cling. May the day be the day of salvation for children and adults. God, again, for our children, I've got five. And we have really an abundance of kids in our church. May this be a safe place for them. Bless this time. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a beautiful place, y'all.